podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at ibroxrocks.com. Welcome to Heart and Hand, Rangers podcast. The podcast that's feeling surprisingly chipper this week. This week on Heart and Hand, all hail the Ginger Mourinho. Welcome to Art and My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, I'm joined this week as always by Mr Scott Vandenacker. Scott, how in the hell are you? Well, Jim Jim, for one thing. Well, yeah, you are, you are. I think we are possibly overplaying the, the ginger influence. Um, I don't think so, no. No? No, I think our decline can be traced to not having enough gingers in the team. The thing is, if we've been consistent on that, this is not something that people can accuse us of suddenly jumping on the ginger bandwagon. We can't be accused... Of all of a sudden riding the ginger horse, we can. And um, there's a thought for you, though. Do you get ginger horses? Yeah, those ones. That red rum. Well, yeah. ginger rum to give him his full name. To, to give him his, his, his full name. Yeah, we record uh, happy pod, happy pod this week because uh, we're recording this uh, before we play Queen of the South on Thursday this week. But we are. In a good mood because we took on table topping hearts, champions hearts, and defeated them by two goals to one, despite playing with ten men for ninety minutes and then Lee McCulloch just made it official and took a wander down the touchline. We will get to him, but first of all, Sunday's performance, all joking aside, it was a good performance. It was and David, can you think of any podcasts just, just off the top of your head who maybe predicted a two on one for the teddy bears? Podcasts leaping out at you? No. No. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it was really first half was good until the Hearts player attacked McCulloch's elbow with his head. You see, anybody else, anybody else, we would probably have, you know, laughed and moved on. But I think that we'll, we'll start with the positive stuff. We'll get to Jig in a minute, and I hope that the manager treated it that way as well. And I'll deal with you in a minute. Just sit there and think about what you did, but. He named a, an attacking lineup. He clearly has given everybody a job as an individual, and you can see that with the likes of Shields and Law, who've been given very specific roles in the team. And it does appear that beforehand they did genuinely have the instruction of just go and try and make something happen. Now that's pretty difficult, even for really skilled players. But in the modern game, for guys who aren't exceptional players and we don't have any exceptional players let's be honest I think that that just sends them out naked you know it sends them out in front of the crowd not knowing what they're to do not knowing how they're supposed to you know fit into the team structure and in the end we turned on them because they're hopeless and Ali might have thought he was doing them a favour but he was actually feeding them to the Lions and we ate them Uh, whereas now you see Shields he's been given a very specific role and he's Really getting into it with Gusto. He's winning tackles, he's making stuff happen. Murdoch's job, get the ball, give it forward straight away. Wing-backs, get up and down the wing. You know, full-backs, get up and down. Centre-half, you don't go over the halfway. All this stuff, and rather than it just being 11 parts moving independently of each other badly, we actually look as though we've got a manager who kind of sees it as a jigsaw, and he's saying, right, well, I can fit him with him and him with him. And the players look happier knowing what their job is. I think... All the great managers will tell you that 
But at the very highest level, if you're Barcelona playing maybe Bayern Munich in the Champions League final, <coughs> tactics are maybe... It's going to be harder for tactics to make a difference, yeah? Because <coughs> you've got really, really, really good players. Does he get almost any level below that? Of course you need to have tactics. It's utterly baffling that Ali thought he could still send Fokut to run about a bit, express himself and have a laugh. There's no level of football anywhere you can do that anymore. It's What, what Stuart McCall has done is, as you say, given them a shape. It's simple things like, OK, our defence are slow as a week in the jail, so away to Hibs, play a sweeper. Yeah. Right? Um, strikers, we're getting isolated with the long ball. We won't play long ball, but we'll also play two strikers in some games, so it's somebody to feed off the scraps. Midfield, and as you say, he just goes through the team and says, do this, play here, play close to this one, stay in sight of... Well, Murdoch and Shields are playing quite close to each other, and it's just... It's a totally refreshing breath of air. And I don't know what Ali thought the option was. Because as I say, apart from the Champions League final, you, most games are settled by smarter tactics that are well carried out. You cannot just send people out to play anymore. It's not the 1920s. And it's so refreshing to see. It's just fantastic. It, it puzzles me that, that Ali did believe this. It was obviously a tactic the Rangers had used in his time there. Um, which is probably why we used to get whipped in Europe all the time. Because in Scotland, our players were good enough to make something happen. But they weren't. As soon as they got into Europe, they got eaten because these teams are organised, fit, strong. And what we came up against constantly was if one of our special players, and again, I would question how special they are. That's no disrespect to them. I think they can. Some of them can might save themselves now and and, and maybe salvage a career. But you know, let's not kid ourselves that Nicky Law is Ronaldo. Uh, and if basically one of our players didn't crash a twenty yarder in, with nothing. Absolutely nothing. And like I say, I don't even think that that's something that's fair to the players, Scott. I think the players looked as though they hated it as well. In any job, you want your manager to give you... You know, you you want them to give you parameters. I'm not saying you need micromanage. Nobody likes that. But I tell you what, I'd rather have too much management than too little. Because too little, you're going to fail. Because you don't know what you're doing. It's it's not enough to have a, a target and a vague, undefined thing that you want to do and then say to your workforce we want to do this go and do it can you imagine a boss walking in and saying right within a year I want this company to be you know turning a profit of 500 million on you go you're going to need a bit more than that so to walk in and say I want us to win the league on you go which is clearly what he did um, honestly I mean I think the longer that this stuff goes on the more people's anger towards Ali will rise and it will fall away again and become, you know, and he'll become a legend. But I think it probably does everyone good to have a bit of a divorce for a while uh, and spend a bit of time apart. But let's praise Stuart McCall, who has come in and has done very well. Now, you and I uh, have had a disagreement on this, and I think that we should tell the listeners um, my view, your view, and then why I'm right. Well, we shouldn't break with tradition, should we, David? No, it's never done us any harm up to this point. And let's be honest, Scott, without me, you would currently be a six-foot-four ginger guy with no friends, living an empty, soulless life, unfulfilled. Whereas, because of me, you have at least one friend. It's a fair point, well made. Um, And also, I mean, I don't tell a lot of people this, but I don't really go out anywhere, except for the pod. I don't speak to anyone. I don't really have any friends or family. And um, I've got a bed set, which is a bit sad. It's at the top of a five-storey block of flats. And I haven't got windows as such. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm working on that. But and all I do all week is just one hour of pod. And I can't tell you how important that is to my life. 
to the, the shape and structure it gives him a life, David. Yeah, I know, mate. I know. Um, and it's, it's, don't think that I wouldn't ditch you in a second for anybody, really. I mean, look at that. If Telfer was available every week, you'd be gone. You know, right. let's, let's just cut to the chase here. But I admit when Stuart McCall came in, I was a bit like, okay, I think he'd be better than Ali McCoy. I, you know, I don't know many managers who wouldn't have been. Uh, but he has done really well. Uh, he's impressing me with his manner, with his bearing, with one exception, which we'll come to in a minute um, as we go back to the game. However, uh, I'm beginning to think, you know, if we're playing well and he gets us up, then why not give him a year? Mm-hmm. Now, you, on the other hand, explain to the listeners. Well, firstly, when we first started debating this, you didn't say give him a year. You said give him the job. No, I said for a year. I said give him a year's deal. But not initially. Yes, I did. You then changed it. No, I didn't. Did my argument against me. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But look, it, 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 enough. You've lost that one. Move on. Enough, right? I think that the board who have taken a long time over this move, Dave King's been fighting for years, and all the people, the, the former Blue Knights, all the people involved, they've had this plan to take over Rangers for many years, and I'm sure that involved having plans. Mm-hmm. At least, I hope it did. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I assume those plans involved what we're going to do with scouting, coaching, management. Yeah, but how does, how, does the McCall appo- how does the McCall appointment affect any of those other areas other than management? Because they may have had their idea of who they wanted to come in as a manager. As well. but, but haven't we both argued for years that a manager shouldn't have influence over stuff like scouting and youth development and certainly not finances? Yeah, but it's, it's plans. To me, I don't want them to change the plans they had, obviously, over the years. But, but again, so you want them to be totally inflexible. It's a bit like no. a government, though, isn't it? You can say what you want in your manifesto. It's different once you're in actually doing it. No, I just I, I would have hoped that they'd had somebody to make go after a bit more. No, I tell the truth. You wanted somebody sexier. You wanted some Hal Havalangi from you know the the Namibian second division, and you wanted this guy to come in and go, "Ooh, Dortmund model," and here's some players you've never heard of. And I've read a book by Jonathan Wilson. Tell the truth. Yes. Yes, <laughs> fair enough. Yes. My gas is firmly up, people. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. <laughs> I think you'll find the Mibbing second division is a lot stronger than people are going to credit for as well. You know, that's why I'm actually quite looking forward. I hope Ali does pitch up somewhere. And I hope he proves I was wrong, by the way, but I, I would love Ali to pitch up somewhere as a manager and we just see if, in fact, it was us or it was as we suspected it was. He's not going to prove us wrong, is he? No, he's not going to prove us wrong. Um, great performance, great goals, and there was a... I think around the stadium I felt Scott that even at 10 men even at 2-1 I thought the whole stadium thinks we're going to win usually down to 10 men it would have seen some form of collapse but yeah it's just different it's only been three weeks but already the way people perceive the games is totally different like Stuart McCall himself summed up well he was talking about tonight's game and he said he watched the last visit to Queen of the South which was a very unpleasant visit yeah? yeah, it was, it was. And he said he watched it, but he didn't show the players. He said it wasn't what they did in training, it was just he watched it. And he said, it's painful, but I've taken lessons, I know what to do and how to set up the team, but I don't need to put them through it again. They were in a bad place then, but not that same place now. And we don't need to basically overhead the pudding. They know how bad they were. And that's how the fans feel. The fans do not think about going to Queen of the South now, shitting themselves. The fans somehow feel it won't be the same as last time, and that things are brighter. 
and that everyone deserves a wee second chance. And I know a lot of people are going tonight with a bit of a spring in their step. And he's changed the way we think about the games in advance and the sort of dread and the fear and the do you want to watch the Great British Bake Off instead thing is, is definitely is disappearing week by week. It doesn't feel as painful as it did, and it did feel pretty painful to be watching to be watching Rangers and it, it, it was just deeply, deeply unimpressive uh, every time that we, we went to watch it because it, it was into that dreadful cycle of you think something bad's going to happen and something bad did happen the team never surprised you you know, all your fears, all your worst case scenarios were generally just scenarios Yeah. and that like, yeah when, Templeton's, Templeton's going to start Bet he's rubbish. And he would be rubbish, you know. Rubbish. Um, oh, we're playing we're playing these guys at centre-back. This is what will go wrong. This is what will go wrong. He's playing this formation. This is why it won't work and it didn't work. And that's so disheartening, I think, as a football fan. Because you want your manager to be like a guy you admire. You know, you want him to go, God, he knows what he's doing. Oh, I love the fact that this is a very intelligent bloke. And we just haven't had that for so long. Whereas now, I think that we're starting to get things happening um, correct on the field and you could see the enthusiasm he made a couple of brave decisions I thought um, the one in particular that really impressed me was that he took off Vukic I know that's going to sound odd because Vukic scored a good goal he's a talented player however we needed runners in the second half and for all Vukic is a, a more talented footballer than Clark and Miller they will do the running and he wouldn't so it was a brave and a correct move and he did it and he's done certain other things that I think have been spot on as well. However, we have to discuss, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to his red card in a minute, it makes the continued selection of McCulloch all the more puzzling to me. Because it's quite apparent that this guy brings nothing to you in terms of leadership, he brings nothing to you in terms of on the field, and I can't understand why he's an automatic pick for a manager who doesn't seem that bothered by reputations with any of the rest of them. There was an argument in Division 3 and parts of Division 2 that he had a role to play because of his goal scoring. Okay, We were playing teams that were part-time and he would go up front sometimes, be up for corners and he did score a lot of goals. And people thought, OK, OK, right, I can see that. He's a centre-half who's going to score. He's going to score every week. Fair enough. Last season, he started struggling a bit though. This season has been hopeless. And what's more interesting as well, as you alluded to, Stuart McCall's given a chance to a lot of players who previously, I'm not going to say were discarded, but the previous management team had their own very clear ideas on youth football. Okay, and I'll leave it there. Stuart McCall has expanded the squad, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Murdoch and Crawford, bring these guys back in well, at right cinema. Credit where it's due, Murdoch was, was brought in by McDowell. You know, probably the only yeah. the only thing he did well in his spell in charge. But but yeah, no, you're right, and he's Hardy's another one. Hardy right, and Cinnamon might have been scored t- tonight, and I think there's no need for for Ed Jug anymore. We're always told oh, shorter body, and the famous Zalukas of course disappearing the minute he signed, and there was he'd always make this excuse whereby if we don't play Jack, there's no one no one to play. There's lots of options now. There are people who can replace what Jig does, whatever that might be. He's not adding anything in leadership or on the pitch. And as, you, and as we're seeing now, the squad is big enough as well. He doesn't need to play. And I cannot see why he would go back into the team after the suspension. No, me neither. Simply no need. There's no need. And there's no place. There's no place for him either. It's important to win these upcoming games. And by the time most people come to listen to this, um, the Queen of South game will be in the past. 
So we're not going to focus too much on it, but safe to say it's important to win from that point of view to prove that if you believe some of the rumours that McCulloch's influence isn't as positive on other player and all the players as perhaps you would like to hope, um, then this is a chance for them to prove they can do it without him. Uh, it was a red card, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. I've also never seen a squad in world football who haven't responded to the manager genuinely picking people based on ability and form. And there's people saying that he might not be the greatest influence ever, but the squad are going to respond if Stuart McCall picks people based on how they're doing and see if Yeah, McCall I think can. so. And McCullough can't get back in a winning team. I don't think it's going to upset the squad or the team at all. I think, in fact, most players will doff a cap to the gaffer mm-hmm. for, for actually picking an ability. And I don't think he'll be missed in that sense. I don't think there'll be any sort of squad rebellion. I also think with how shit they've been, I don't think there'll be a squad rebellion anyway. I think these guys know if there was a squad rebellion against Stuart McCall, they'd be hounded, literally hounded out of Lock and Howie and have to go home with the boot of their car. Smuggled through security yeah, They have no credibility currency, no, do they? They're, they're, nothing they're, in the bank. Nothing that they can that they can spend with the fans. And yeah, in a, in a straight up argument, then I, I just think that McCall's in a good position where he's getting the credit for the turnaround, um, and he's immediately got that credibility with the support. Well, we're going okay. You know, I I, I kind of see it as that we were, you know, guys who were wandering out the desert. Absolutely dehydrated, and he was a guy who came along and brought his water. You, you know, you pretty much marry him on the spot, and that's that's what it's like for us at the moment. And he's in a good position if he keeps his winning. I mean, if he takes his up, I, I do know what you mean about a sexier foreign, you know, or or co- I, I would be more into a sexy director of football to be honest, because I'm a great believer that I like the European model. I sound like you. I'm hanging about with you too much. Um, they, they, don't, you can't visit for a while, right? I, I've got to give it Dortmund model, um, but but it's true. I like the idea of you have your sporting director, your technical director, whatever. And people in Britain always get hung up in this title of director of football. Says it doesn't work here. Every club in the EPL has a director of football. They're just not called that. You know, they're sometimes called. Um, technical director they're sometimes called yeah. sporting manager yeah, something like that usually in, in Europe it's called sporting director and this is the guy who oversees the youth team or not the youth team the, the youth set up he's not a coach who oversees recruitment policy um, who oversees long term plans for the simple fact a football manager I laugh when I hear people come in and go oh this is part of a three year plan or five year plan you don't know what's going to happen right a f- football it's not a week to week basis the way Ali thought it was but it's a shorter term business because it's basically within that season and that's what the manager does need to concentrate on and that's why you need somebody who doesn't have the week to week pressures of results who can take the longer term view I, that's what, yeah that's what I agree with you I mean I think we're actually not I when we were having this debate online with each other I had the impression that you wanted Stuart McCall to be an old style British manager given a three to five year deal Forget what they talked about. Forget what the Blue Knights had talked about. No. Stuart's man. And I went, see, I don't mind Stuart McCall staying. I think he's doing really well. Yeah, that, that, that's what I mean. He's doing well as a coach. Um, he should stay as a coach. He's not got the time, right? He has not got the time or the inclination to find out about UEFA five-star coaching licences and how much it costs to get them and who should go through the programme, mm-hmm. how our youth scouting system should be revamped. Blah blah blah. What players are best from the Scandinavian leagues? Stuart McCall at the moment is firefighting. He's got a huge job to get us up, and a massive job once we're there. He does not have time to piss about Europe watching the Swedish Allsvenskan league. 
I give you someone has to do that job and it shouldn't be Stuart McCall and I'm sure he wouldn't want it either it's, there's no time for that and in the modern game it's a nonsense to suggest that managers can now do it all you know I mean maybe Jose Mourinho can probably pick out players because they've got an unlimited budget mm-hmm, yeah I want, I want that one but it doesn't work like that at smaller clubs or clubs that are having the money and someone has to organise all this and bring it all together and it's if we were to get one of those type of players then who the first team coach is I'm a lot less concerned about it and it might as well be Stuart McCall at the moment because he's certainly impressing a lot of people yeah uh, my view is is that you don't always people say that you go oh the manager doesn't choose the players well no the manager doesn't you know, necessarily choose the players. The manager shouldn't have time to, you know, this old-fashioned manager uh, driving 200 miles to check out a reserve game uh, in London, then driving back and take training for a couple of hours, and then going to his office and talking about you. T- you know, no, the manager should concentrate on the first team. It's pretty apparent our first team could do with that. Yes. Right. So you know, let let's dedicate him to that. What the manager should do is sit down with this so-called sport director and say, "Look, I need. I, I feel we're weak in these positions." come back with a list of targets and tell me the pros and cons. And the sporting director should go, you're not getting this guy that you mentioned because he's 34 and he would cost X amount, so that's off the table. Here are guys within the parameters of what we will do, you know, like fit the age group and fit the wages and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Take your pick or draw up a 1 to 5 and we'll go and try and get them. Right. And then that should be the match. And then whoever arrives, the manager should work with. I think we, we spoil our managers in the UK with this yes. nonsensical approach that they get to have everything that they want or as close to it. They get to pick all their backroom staff. They get to bring in their mates to do the youth t- team coaching. No, bollocks to that, right? You work with what you're given. And yes. if you're a talented coach, you'll get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. And it's actually yeah. better, for I think, for the, the coaches because that is a skill level then that you can take with you anywhere. Most. And there's two other things. Like, first of all, Rangers need that because it's something we've been notoriously bad at. Like, even when with Walter and we had some money, we would go after players, couldn't get them, and so we turn our attention to a player who was nothing at all like the one we'd been chasing. Like, no link. And that has to stop. And secondly, like you say, it's good for the coach. See Stuart McCall. He will never have coached players at this level before. Even I mean, Motherwell's not nowhere near as good. And if we manage to get some sort of budget and bring in a few more players. He'll be coaching at a higher level yet. And Stuart if it doesn't work out, or maybe he decides to leave, maybe he decides to spread his wings. A couple of years at Rangers, he will have been left alone to coach on the training pitch the best set of players that he's had, including Bradford and Motherwell. And how could that ever be bad for him or his CV? And as you say, how could not driving 200 miles down to Carlisle and back to watch the Carlisle fullback, how's that going to be a bad thing for his CV and for his time and for what he's trying to do and for his uh, tactical ideas? I think it's one-win. Yeah, I do too. My take on it is is that I do understand the desire to have a sexier manager. I'm I'm not silly, right? And I just have my my worries. Ian Cathro is a name that's been mentioned a lot. We've no idea what Ian Cathro is going to be like. He could be a genius. He absolutely could be a genius. I'm just not sure we're in the position right now we can take the risk. I actually think Ian Cathro sounds like somebody who'd be more likely to be director of football. Certainly from what I've seen of his trap, but I think he wants to be a boss and I understand that. And I know the argument is, if this guy goes and does fantastically well somewhere, we ain't going to be him with a shout at getting him. That's the problem, yeah. That is the problem. And it is, you know... He likes ca- Rangers. He would come, but he won't come if he gets see the Valencia job, actual job. Yeah. Then that's it, gone forever. And uh, people are worried. People, it's do we jump before 
know what you mean. Yeah, it's just, it's diff- very difficult. See if we'd, you know, under normal circumstances, if we had, you know, the option, if we had a a situation that was, you know, five out of ten, we could take the gamble. But we don't. We've got a terrible situation, and if it gets worse or doesn't get sorted, we're in severe bother. We have to get it right. Now, that doesn't mean the Old Pals Act, and it doesn't mean a safe pair of hands. It just means that if you've, you know, you, you try and play the percentages as much as you can, and if you've got someone who's in situ doing a good job, you have to, you have to consider that guy. Uh, that, that to me is just the basics. But we shall see. We shall see. Anyway, Scott, um, we're going to, I believe, Russia for some sporting integrity this week. So let's crack on with that. So, welcome to the Sporting Integrity section of the show where we look around the world of sport and see who has made the biggest arse himself over the past uh, week or so. It's named in honour of Sporting Integrity, the concept, the season league, where a manager can sell two of his best players to his former club a week before you play them in season-defining matches and pocket a large chunk of the transfer fee. But, if you were to suggest there might be something in this, it's your fault. That sort of thing, David, yes. That sort of thing. Where are we going this week, Scott? Well, we're starting with... Um, I'm actually quite proud. You, you know how for a while now I've been a poet minion, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I've been recently struggling to even... There's been Telfer, there's been Bell, there's been the Dingwall. Um, I'm not even guaranteed a place on the bench anymore, David, OK? Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided I, I used a few of my contacts. I've been phoning around and I've got an interview with uh, Andre Arsh-Shaving. right. Um, formerly of Arsenal and now at Zenit. Okay. And I managed to, to get him on the phone, and um, I'm actually we've got a few questions, just a few quick questions for Andre. And um, I think it's just something I know listeners are going to be thinking, my God, the contacts these guys have got. This might raise us up a bit, might get us in the news, you know, might people tweeting about us. And this is my big one, David. I need this. I really, really need this. Go on then, Scott. Here we go. Right, we'll go to it right now. Andre, are are you there? No. Andre, could you be a bit more cheerful? I need this, Andre. I know you're rushing, but come on, play it. Come on, Andre. Right. I understand you're at a top club at the moment in Arsenal. This question was a while back, folks, OK? You win cups. Would you ever consider challenging yourself at a lower club in a different part of the country? I'm talking about Sunderland. Our fans would love to have you in the team. What's it like to play against our team? Our fans are so passionate. It must make a huge impression on visiting teams, Andre. No, I have not noticed don't have any plans. No. Okay. Andre, what are your political views? What would you say? Is your politics? World peace. Oh. Okay. And this one's a belter. So this one came in from one of our younger listeners, Andre. And thanks for doing this, but this is the last question. Andre, I'm 13 years old. I began to play football two years ago. I do training quite regularly. Do you think I'll be able to become a professional footballer? I don't know. Um, oh, OK, Andre, thanks Thanks for phoning us from St Petersburg and uh, thanks a lot, folks, eh? Well, explain then to the listeners where all that that's, came from. That's genuine, folks. That's question and answers from Andre Arshavin's website. I should probably explain that it wasn't actually Andre Arshavin, it was me! See, with that sleight of hand, I'm telling you, I could get a job at the BBC in the 70s, but uh, but I would have used my powers for for good, not for evil. But 
Yes, these are the genuine answers to the questions that Scott mentioned. There's a Q&A section on Andrew Arshavin's website. You should go and have a look at it. And put it like this. If, if you've ever had an idea about the stereotype of Russians as dour, unfriendly, uncommunicative people... Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll round up here quick, quickly because I mean that's obviously very exciting, and a lot of the listeners are thinking an interview from St. Petersburg. He's going to get a sudden rush of uh, hits, and like you know, people going, "I wonder if they did make that up." We didn't. Genuinely, that was his answer to a thirteen-year-old boy dreaming of Ukrainian football. I don't know. Yeah. No. So he's um he is as dour as you may think Russians would be. David and I walking back to Manchester after the final. Remember? Mm-hmm. So we decided there's no point. And being down about it, let's just congratulate some of Zenit fans, have a laugh with them. Have you ever seen people more looking like they were going to a funeral? Oh man, do you know? What I mean, they were just so friggin' miserable. Um, I've been to Russia. It's not a, it's not a friendly country. Um, you know, it's, it's not. That's why when you see these, these adverts for Russian brides, and people think, God, they must be getting coerced into it, because look how miserable they look. Nah, it's just what they look like. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want a wife, then it's ideal. Because I'm one ambassador in Russia all the time. She pretty much guaranteed one. Um, that's that sexist, Scott. That was that was the sexism you get these days. It was. Wasn't that it? was. You could be in the UKIPers. Are the UKIPers? I am uh, Scott from the UKIPs. Yeah. Um, you, actually, you you could be. There's a guy in UKIP um, who's like running for MP down south, and I will say as for them because right wing groups are generally very judgmental. Right, right wing like Tory. You're a Tory bastard, right? And the thing about Tories that's quite weird is they want government to stay out of your finances. Am I right? Um, you're correct in that. But they love the idea of government getting involved in your bedroom. You know, they want to make this illegal or that illegal or, you know... Um, you look at the Republican Party in the US. I mean, they're murder for that. It's like, the government shouldn't interfere in anything except, of course, to tell you who you can and can't sleep with. Right? Great country. Can show people getting shot beheaded or murdered on TV and not be arrested. No, no, exactly, because you wouldn't want to corrupt people. Um, yeah. But the, the UKIPers have got a guy running um, for... He's, he's running for uh, Parliament and he's a porn star and porn baron. My goodness. A porn baron? A porn baron. Not a Paul baron. Not no. No, not from not from the smell of Reeves and Mortimer's. No, a porn baron. Interestingly, that's one of those jobs you only get in tabloid law. Like, you know how you can only be, depending, you can be a staunch Rangers fan or a devout Celtic fan. Yeah. Basically an extension of uh, uh, an, an old-fashioned point of view. Uh, you can't be a, a porn henchman, right? No. Or a porn assistant manager. You can only be a porn star. Right? Yeah. There's no porn supporting actors, apparently. Right? Yeah. No, there, there, there's no like Craig Charles of the porn world. Thankfully. Yeah, indeed. But you also can't be just a guy who runs a small porn business. You have to be a porn baron. Well, it actually, it takes me back a while to this, this very pod episode, David. You were reminding me of the time that we'd watched a uh, uh, German model. Oh, Tom Modelino. I didn't realise you were talking about football, about, about uh, Bundesliga at the time. Hey! Yeah, no, 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 top model anal turned out. We bought that. Uh, Scott and I were on holiday with our wives in France. Yeah. Um, and remarkably, Scott's still married to his. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barrymore didn't even last as long as you. But, uh, yeah, I've moved on since. Well, forcibly. 
<laughs> Could be argued. But uh, Scott and I were in France and we were just amazed that you know, we were of the this was really kind of pre heavy internet usage for us. And um we saw in the shop proper foreign grot, proper shiny foreign grot. And one of the magazines was called Top Mod Lanel and we bought it and I have to say they clearly don't have advertising standards agency in France because there were no top models in this. Although, in all fairness, it was a lot of anal. Well, yeah, I mean, they were half right. Yeah, yeah, they were. Look, look, scan the magazine we did for um, all these famous models, you know, the, what did they call them? Supermodels? Yeah. Uh, Christy Turlington? Yeah. Nope. Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, nope. none of that. What there appeared to be was a lot of pained-looking French women having their anai stretched by off-camera men with enormous dongs. That was the main gist of it. Um, and in fact, if you had Top Mod Lena as a title, really the emphasis was on the last last word, the last part of that sentence. Yeah, yeah, there was. I also had a magazine back in the day when you had magazines, and this one came with shiny white clean paper, which I thought was just genius. The Europeans were way ahead of us when it came to grow. Um, but it, it was called Happy Pistols. Oh. And, well, they looked as happy as someone can be when someone is going to the toilet on them. So, a bittersweet experience for them. That's a good way of putting it, yes. I also remember um, enjoying a film that you let me, um, which quite brilliantly involved women... Well... They had a lot of ejaculate on them, didn't they? Yeah, they did have a lot of ejaculate on them. But they also took time to pay tribute to the heroes of 9-11. Yes, that's... <laughs> in case anybody thinks we're making that up, the opening of this Scud Scud film, and you can imagine, this is so long ago by it was a video, right? So it must have been about 2002. And I uh, lent Scott this, this the opening scene will have you, um, you know, and, and you put in your porn video, right? Back in the day. You know, so you're sitting there generally. I would suggest prepared, right? Yes. You know, because it's an interactive experience. It's a, a pre-web interactive experience, yeah. and um, up comes this rippling American flag. It <laughs> said, "Dedicated to the brave men and women of the New York Fire Department for their services to the country on September the 11th, 2001." And I felt a bit guilty. Yes. You know, but then it immediately cut to a young woman taking a fantastic amount of happy cream right in her gullet. So, I mean, was she paying? I mean, and then you think, is that her tribute? Is that her personal tribute to the men of 9 11? Is it unrelated? I mean, it just makes you confused more than aroused. Who are we to judge? Who are we to judge? Right, time for one more. One more. Well, do you want to tell us some good news? Yeah, sure. Style owner. Gigi Bacali Hooray! Patron sent of the pod Has been freed early from prison At last! The campaign worked The campaign worked I was looking online for the the bit when we sent him a letter saying Dear Police Please let him out But I think I think we I think I might have forgot to post it Oh for God No wonder he was in so long No but yeah but it's a thought that counts we willed him to get out, didn't we? For was it not our Lord himself, Jesus Christ, who said that it's really not a matter of whether or not you do it or not, but whether you think you should have done it or something? And I think you'll find that he might have. Yeah, I mean, I think he's 
It can be ruled out. The Bible is a lot of books that the Apophonica that wasn't in it, they didn't make the final cut. But there you go, right? And so until we get a director's cut, the Bible, we don't know. We don't know. Um, and he told reporters now he's free, I learned this inside prison. I bet you've learned a few things inside prison. Yeah, probably yes. Um, Salvation is all that matters. I will fulfil the righteousness of the Lord and say sorry to everybody, journalists, politicians, judges, prosecutors. Yes, you'll see me again in football, but I'll never speak again. He who bets that McCallie won't change will lose their bet. No. And you know what he did? He wrote three books in prison. Yes. This is his legacy of prison. And each time he wrote a book, he got 30 days off his sentence, right? Ah, so, seems... Jeffrey exactly. Archer would have been out in no time. Well, exactly. Um, he wrote Bacali, the European Parliament and the Romanian Parliament. Bacali and Stoya and Mount Athos, home of the Orthodox Christian. And those were the three books that helped get him out that little bit early as well. Good. He's out, he's free, he's back running Stoya. We now don't want him to take over Rangers, though. No, not now. We did then. We did then. But given what's happened, not so much now. No. But he's still... A pod hero. You know that's a pod hero, David. Why? Because like it raining in Scotland, you know that he's not going to keep to that at all. He's not going to stay quiet. No. He's not going to apologise to people, and he's not going to live only by life of righteousness. No. You know he's not. No, he's not. He's not. No. It's just not going to happen. Okay then. Well, I think then to welcome him back into society. Then I think the least we can do is this week make Gigi Bacali the winner of this week's Sporting Integrity Award. That's all we've got time for on Heart and Hand this week. Uh, if you want more from me, go and listen to the latest edition of We Welcome the Chase podcast, which I'm on. Um, and there was a nice, nice bunch of lads. Uh, some of them, I think, you know, some of them are these coast accents. I didn't know what they were saying, um, but it must have been nice for them, Scott. You know, to have me, the David Edgar. The, they didn't who you were. Well, yeah, they asked me to do it, so I'm assuming. Well, you know that they did, but but yeah, I kind of thought it must have been like. Say you were in a band, right? Like, say you were in a band and you're playing somewhere in Glasgow, right? Somewhere ghastly. Yeah, like, I can imagine that. Yeah, yeah, right. Some, some wee shell and nobody's paying you a blind bit of interest and you're just going through the motions, right? Mm-hmm. And in walks John Lennon to jam with you. That's, that's what it must have been like for them, except I was more alive and less scouts. Well, I was going to say... Um if John Lennon walked in the pub and jammed the band, I'd be pretty much amazed. Depends what era John Lennon. If he walked in and said, I want to sing a song about sitting in a bag for a week to end the war in Vietnam, he'd be like, oh, fuck off, beardy. You pretty much wanted to be like 63 to 66. Bang on, you would. Or perhaps, he'd odd decent moment, but not a, what's that, dishing some, the primal scream stuff about him screeching about his mum not loving him enough? Oh, oh uh, that's mother. But the, oh, there's also, have you ever heard the Two Virgins album? Oh, it's, it's absolutely awful and to put it into context I remember seeing in a music mag about 15 years ago Eddie Reader said it was one of her favourite albums that probably explains a lot mm, it nails it doesn't it um, all that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producer in London Mr Mike Lee Mr Paul Miles our sound engineers Mr Stephen Arnoldby and Mr Charlie Ashworth and to tell you you can get in touch with us uh, at Heart and Hand on Facebook just search for Heart and Hand the Rangers podcast you can follow us on Twitter at Ibrox Rocks and you'll get me or one of the playback guys uh, at Scott Heart Hand and you'll get Scott or his missus uh, if she's taking his phone off him again and uh, you'll also be able to get in touch with us by emailing us uh, ibroxrocks at playbackmedia.co.uk that really is all we've got time for this week uh, last word of course 
to the Dutch destroyer, Mr. Scott Van Den Acker? It was, it was wonderful today. I felt, I don't know, I felt justified, felt good, the sun's shining, we're winning games again. And I'll edit this out if we get beat by Queen of yeah, the South. Yeah, if we got pumped by Queen of the South, uh, you know, just don't let us down, Rangers. Be, be the new Rangers, not the old one. Uh, my name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'll talk to you again this time next week. Cheers, bye! This is a Playback Media production. Guess all the associated links for this podcast at ibroxrocks.com. Podcast Network.